field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Well, I had a lovely agenda planned for everything tonight, and that has been turned upside down. Welcome in, everybody. This was already planned. Brewers Weekly, Thursday nights, most Thursday nights when there's no Bucks conflict. And here we are with some breaking news pertaining to the Brewers. The trade that we thought would happen a long time ago, and maybe not after signing Reese Hoskins, the Brewers have traded Corbin Burns to the Baltimore Orioles. Let's get to the details first. Jeff Passan of ESPN is going to join us shortly here. We're also simulcasting live on ESPN Milwaukee 94.5, if you're listening here on 620 WTMJ as well, the home of the Brewers. And, you know, I can sit here and say there is baseball played later this month down in Maryvale in Phoenix as the Brewers get ready to start the 2024 season, and they will be doing so officially without Corbin Burns. Let's talk about the return. Joey Ortiz, right-handed swinging shortstop, made his big league debut last year. Left-handed pitcher D.L. Hall has been up and down the last couple of years, been dealing with injuries, hard-throwing left-hander. Also, for competitive balance, the Brewers will be getting the 34th pick in next year's draft. First instant reaction across the interwebs is that's not enough that's not enough that's not enough too early to say i think your gut reaction is that because it's corbin burns and you think out of 2021 corbin burns the guy with three years of control remaining versus the guy with one year of control remaining let's say for a hypothetical sake if the brewers kept corbin burns the entire season and they did not trade him they give him the qualifying offer at the end of the season. They would get a competitive balance pick, as we've been talking about throughout this offseason. Well, now they're essentially getting that competitive balance pick and two prospects. And some folks are going to say, that's not enough, not enough. This is trades. There's not always a winner and a loser, and it takes time to form these things. I'm not going to rush into judgment. What I've read about D.L. Hall, I saw D.L. Hall in the minor leagues. Dude can chuck the pill, man. He can bring it. Of course, injuries are concerned. Now, reading into the injuries, though, there's a back thing in there. There's a lat strain in there. But not so much arm stuff you would expect with a guy that throws it as hard as he does. Some folks would project him to be a reliever one day. He has been tried as a starter. The Orioles have said as such they want him to be a starter. But now he has been traded to the Brewers. And we'll get reaction from the writers here in a little bit as well. Uh, once they are finished with Matt Arnold, because we're obviously on the air here. But talking about what D.L. Hall could bring to a team, he's already on a big league clock. He's got one option remaining. The Brewers maybe have room in their starting rotation now. Granted, we can get into the roster outlook here in just a little bit. But also, Joey Ortiz, uh, drafted a couple of years ago out of New Mexico State, uh, he is a California native. He's put on some good weight since he was drafted by the Orioles in 2019, a fourth-rounder back then. He is considered one of the best defensive shortstops in the minor leagues. He just missed out on the top 100 prospect list, according to Baseball America. They like the fact that he's added some bat-to-ball skills and doesn't really have a ton of power, but his reputation as an impact defender at a premium position should get him into the big leagues, and that's exactly what has happened since his scouting report came through. 
That's all from Baseball America. And again, they're getting the 34th pick in the competitive balance, a sandwich pick per se, coming up in the draft in July. So let me get to the text line here, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620 if you're over here on WTMJ. This one, I completely understand trading Burns, but now I completely do not understand why they signed Hoskins. Are they trying to win or try to play 500 ball? We can get into that. I, I still see a lot of depth in this pitching staff. I see a lot of good things happening with that. This one, in Arnold we trust, I think, but talk me off the ledge, Dom. Let's have some fun with it, though. 855-616-1620 if you want to text in, if you want to call in. Right now, uh, I am very, very excited to welcome in uh, one of the best in the biz, Jeff Passan of ESPN, who reported this story and broke the story first. Jeff, it's great to see you, my friend. Before we get into this, how's the back? How's everything feeling? Uh, the back is holding up. Uh, I appreciate you asking. And uh, did I hear something about pitching depth? Is that is that what you were talking about? Because I'm curious, at least in the starting rotation, what you mean by that. So the youth that's on the way, I wouldn't say it's current yeah. big league depth. But yes, there is definitely young, controllable pitching. As you know, this is what everybody is after. And my instant reaction to this, Jeff, is... The Brewers wanted some young, controllable pitching and make sure they got something for Corbin Burns. What's your reaction to all of this? You know, I I heard from a GM um, a couple of minutes ago, and he said moving guys a year before they they reach free agency is a really hard business, and and so that's why he's he's grading this deal on a curve. Um, it's listen, what the Brewers got, it's not a sure thing. Um, Joey Ortiz is a really good shortstop. Like, he can pick the ball, and he hit 321, slug 500 last year at AAA, and he will be an everyday player in the big league. The question is, you know, is is it ultimately going to be in more of a utility role, or is he going to lock down a position? Uh, And is that position going to be shortstop in 2024 or 2025? Because we're not sure what Willie Adamas is going to do and and what the Brewers are going to do with Willie Adamas. Um, you know, D.L. Hall's a guy who's had control issues in the minor leagues, but he struck out 137 in 84 and a third innings a couple of years ago. It just goes to show you the quality of the stuff is really tip-top. And just in terms of uh, coming from Baltimore, being left-handed, having some control problems in the minor leagues, he reminds me of somebody else who people in Milwaukee are familiar mm-hmm. with. Uh, and his name's Josh Hader. Exactly. So I think if Hall is not a rotation piece long-term, he will be a very good relief pitcher. And then, look, we, we look at the 34th pick in the 2024 draft. And you want to say it's just a draft pick. Well, you know, are we really giving away the former Cy Young Award winner for a couple of guys who do have question marks in a draft pick? Well, uh, the Brewers have drafted extremely well in recent years. And let's not forget Jacob Mizorowski, who is probably the most talented pitcher just in terms of raw stuff in the minor leagues right now, uh, was taken with a pick in that vicinity by the Brewers a couple of years ago. And now he's on the verge of the big leagues. And I would anticipate he's probably going to make his debut at some point this season. So uh, that, that draft pick is really valuable. And all that goes back to, you know, what, what are the Brewers intentions for 2024? 
I thought they were going to keep Corbin Burns. I thought they were going to go out and try and run away with the National League Central again. Uh, But this tightens the division a whole lot in 2024, even with the Brewers adding Reese Hoskins and bringing Jackson Churio up. I, I think that's the number one question we're seeing a lot of right now in the text line and in social media. Again, we're chatting with Jeff Passan of ESPN, who broke the news tonight. It's already been confirmed by the Brewers. It is out there that the Brewers have traded Corbin Burns to the Baltimore Orioles. I I think when it comes to signing Reese Hoskins and sending a message, in fact, I asked Matt Arnold this question the other day when they officially welcomed in Reese Hoskins. Hey, everyone's saying you were going to trade Burns and Adamas, and so far you haven't done that, and yet you've spent more money. And he made it clear, well, we want to win now. We want to try to fight to win win as many games as we can, you know, the usual answers and things of that nature, but... This is an example, in my opinion, Jeff, and we see teams, they, they go all in in one direction, right? We're either buying up everybody and going for it or tearing it all down, going for it. And the Brewers find themselves with one foot in each bucket right now. Yeah, the Brewers are trying to do what the Rays do, and that's not a surprise considering, you know, Matt Arnold spent time with the Rays organization and really, you know, he was in Cincinnati's bounced around a little bit and, uh, sort of taken pieces of all these organizations he's been in, but his philosophy aligns most with what the Rays are doing. And that I think is uh, not just because the Rays are so damn successful at it, but because the, the payroll is limited in Milwaukee. I mean, the, you know, this is going to take the Brewers down into the 90 something million dollar range on opening day for 2024, which I think is a lot lower than, than Brewers fans were hoping for or wanting, and perhaps opens up the possibility that they can go back out and take the $16 million or so that Corbin Burns was going to make this year and uh, devote it to free agents. Uh, You know, one thing the Brewers have done a really good job of is creating organizational depth. Um, I don't know if Joey Ortiz, uh, he won't play shortstop as long as Adonis is around, so I don't know if that means he's going to go to second and, and Bryce Terang would go to third. He would go to third and Terang stays at second. Maybe there's a rotation with Andrew Monasterio and the two of them. Um, but when you have Tyler Black sort of a, on the cusp right now, when you have Brock Wilkin, you know, up at double A, um, there are a lot of infielders. I don't even have to tell you the, the outfield depth that they've got, <laughs> yeah. whether it's Yelich and left, Churio and center, Frelick and right, uh, Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, like, they have a lot of guys at every position, and it is a really, really good problem, Dom, to have. Always good. To, and and that's my thought with the D.L. Hall move. It's never a bad thing to have pitching. It's never a bad thing to have prospect depth. It's never a bad thing. And I, I think of from Baltimore's perspective of this deal, this is the deal that everybody has been asking the Orioles to do, I feel like, since last trade deadline. You know, Corbin Burns on an expiring deal, it makes sense. And now it's been the best 48 hours to get over a Ravens loss in the city of Baltimore that, you know, John <laughs> Angelos is selling the team, and now they've acquired Corbin Burns. From the Baltimore point of view, yes, Burns gives up a lot of homers, but he gets to look at that left field wall now. They're certainly yeah. thrilled that the guys, you know, the Jackson Holidays, the Gunnar Hendersons are staying put as well. Yeah, that's the, you know, the part of this deal that I think surprised me is that um, I I figured – for a pitcher of Corbin Burns' caliber, a guy who's won a Cy Young, who I think is probably a consensus top 10 pitcher in baseball at this point, uh, that maybe they would get Heston Kirsten, maybe they would get Kobe Mayo, Samuel Basallo, uh, probably not Basallo because, you know, between William Contreras and 
Jefferson Caro, uh, the, the Brewers are going to be set at catcher for a long time. Um, but uh, Colton Cowser, you know, one of those guys, uh, they, they went for the depth play. And if you want to criticize them for depth plays, then that, that is uh, certainly your prerogative. But let's remember, the depth play that sent Josh Hader out of town brought in Estiuri Ruiz, and Estiuri Ruiz was part of the deal that wound up getting them, who, William Contreras, an all-star catcher in his first full season, and really one of the linchpins of this franchise going forward. So uh, what I think Matt Arnold does is he he relies on his evaluators. And, uh, you know, if they can get multiple players, and especially multiple players who, uh, because the Orioles have so many prospects, they would be willing to part with, uh, I understand going for – uh, instead of just that that one guy who you're putting all your uh, you know you're really relying on him to make the deal worthwhile, you're spreading out the risk by doing it this way. Maybe Ortiz is the guy. Maybe Hall is the guy. Maybe this draft pick is the guy. Maybe all three of them are guys. Regardless, though, you give yourself more opportunity to have a blockbuster deal, I think, when you do spread it out among those guys than when you do putting all your eggs in one basket with one. I agree entirely. Jeff Passon joining us here on 620 WTMJ and on ESPN Milwaukee 94.5. Uh, I'll leave you with this, Jeff, and you mentioned his name a little bit earlier. All right, I'm Willie Adamas. What does this mean for me? I'm looking ahead to the next year's free agent class. I'm the class of the shortstop position next year, and now yeah. if Corbin Burns is gone, am, am I next? Potentially. The sense I've gotten is that Willie Adamas is not going to be moving. Now, that's for now, right? And and maybe the Ortiz acquisition changes the calculus on that because they have a ready-made replacement to put in at shortstop, uh, which, you know, is, is the sort of thing that they didn't have before. I mean, the, the closest thing in the system is is probably Eric Brown, and, uh, you know, he's, he's not big league ready at this point. So uh, the, the idea that they have somebody now who they could turn to if they do trade Adonis, um, it's realistic. But I think keeping him around at very least through the all-star break uh, is is likelier right now than it would be to see him move. That being said, Dom, I think we all know the way that baseball works. All it takes is one phone call for a trade to happen. All it takes is one team to give up guys who had previously said that it wouldn't. And so – uh, you know, suggesting that a guy is going to stick around. I, I was uh, I was meeting up with a uh, Brewers fan here in Kansas City where I live earlier today, and he was so thrilled that uh, Corbin Burns had not been traded. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I, I haven't heard a whole lot uh, on that subject, so I would assume he's going to spring training. Uh, an hour later, I, I get a text that says, uh, I think Burns is moving. And so that just goes to illustrate the nature of this game and the nature of these deals. And, and in a market that still has not been resolved free agent wise the fact that trades are percolating still uh, is understandable and is going to continue to happen, I think, all the way through spring, the beginning of spring training in less than two weeks. There's still a lot of moving pieces. The chessboard is we're only like 10 to 15 moves into this chessboard, it feels like. we got a lot to figure out. Jeff Passon joining us here in Milwaukee, breaking the news about Corbin Burns. Wow, what a day. But uh, I really do appreciate you joining us here, Jeff, and uh, hopefully we see you soon. And uh, good to hear from you that you're doing well as well. 
Uh, pleasure is always mine, Tom. Great talking with you, buddy. Take uh, care. Thanks, man. Jeff Jeff Passon joining us from ESPN live here on WTMJ and on ESPN Milwaukee. All right, we're going to re-rack here. We're going to get the text line loaded up. We're going to get the call line loaded up. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's the WTMJ talking text line. I want to hear from you guys. We're going to get the phone lines going. Ricky, I see you on hold. I'll get you here in just a little bit. We'll get to a few of these texts as well. We'll talk more about the reaction to this. Matt Arnold is also speaking to the media as we speak. So uh, we'll get all of this sorted out here. It's an extended Brewers Weekly. Right time, right place for some uh, reaction. Stay with us here on WTMJ and ESPN Milwaukee. Welcome back. Special edition of Brewers Weekly. It was already planned, and, well, sometimes the uh, transaction calendar works in your favor. The Brewers have traded Corbin Burns. The return is shortstop Joey Ortiz, who made his big league debut last year, left-handed flamethrower D.L. Hall, and also the 34th pick in this year's draft. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620 if you want to call in here on WTMJ and on ESPN Milwaukee. Let's get to the phone lines here. Rick and Honey Creek, you have been waiting patiently. You're live here on Brewers Weekly. Yes, hi. Um... I just want to say Brewers are literally my favorite team of all in baseball. And this move, even though it was kind of expected to happen sometime, um, really uh, frustrating because the Brewers won the National League Central Division last year. And um, you didn't really know what they were going to go for this offseason when they signed Reese Hoskins. And um, that adds offense more offense to the team, but now that we're trading Corbin Burns, you don't really know. I mean, most likely the Brewers are uh, trending to being just a rebuilding team this season. So that really uh, hurts the team, I think. But um, I don't know what the Brewers plan on doing next. I mean, probably trading Peralta or Adamas next. Um yeah, I just don't know, and thanks for taking my call. Yeah, you got it, Ricky. Thanks for calling in. So let me let me start with the rebuild comment. There's no reason to think that this team is rebuilding. Yes, and I have said this. I'll own this. I have said I have believed that the Brewers' best chance to compete is with Corbin Burns, and it depended on the return that they were going to get back with or without Corbin Burns to say that they would continue to compete this year. I don't see these two pieces as being immediate they're straight in the lineup, straight in the opening day roster. They're not that. So we're not able to judge it in that case heading into 2024, which is why I think they're not rebuilding. In fact, we're getting reaction from the scribes who are in the Zoom meeting right now. I'm here with you guys, so I can't be in the Zoom meeting right now. That With Matt Arnold, this one from Kurt Hogue about what Matt had to say on how trading burns impacts the Brewers' 2024 chances. I wouldn't look at this as any kind of a rebuild at all. That is straight from Matt Arnold. Furthermore, on if the salary shed will go back into the current ball club, honestly, we have invested in our ball club. It depends on the situation. We invested in Reese Hoskins. Jackson Churio says they have the support of ownership to do what they need. In the opening statement, the overarching theme is that we're excited about the players we're getting back. The reality of our situation is that we had one year left with Corbin. It's all fair. It's all very fair. Let me get to a few of these texts. This one from Mason in Green Bay with the Ortiz edition. How do you see playing time split in the infield? 
I see. I, I mean, the forty man's full, so something's got to give here. With is Ortiz going to be playing? He's got options. I I just it, all eyes are on Willie Adamas now, and I feel for Willie. I feel for the Brewers, but I mean, all of a sudden, it everything hinges on Willie. And as you heard Jeff Passan just talk about, maybe they revisit it between now and position players reporting. Maybe it comes near the trade deadline. But again, Willie, far and away, it is not even close, the best free agent shortstop available next year. Here's the company he is going to be with for free agent full-time shortstops next year. Paul DeYoung, Aledmus Diaz, Kyle Farmer, Hassan Kim, but he has a mutual option. I imagine he will stay. Kevin Newman, Miguel Rojas, Joey Wendell. That is next year's shortstop free agent class. Now, I don't think Willie's going to get a qualifying offer. Qualifying offer, if you're not familiar, it's meant to keep things balanced between competitive balance. MLB has a great glossary nowadays, too, that can really help you understand a lot of this stuff. You can literally Google qualifying offer MLB, and it will bring you to the official MLB page. But you know, it's going to be somewhere nineteen, twenty million dollars next year on a one-year deal. If you take that qualifying offer, it's a chance for the team. It's it's an average of all the salaries, and I don't want to get into the minutia of it because I, I know I'm going to mess something up with it. But the qualifying offer gives you a draft pick in return, and the Brewers would have got that draft pick with Corbin Burns. They're probably not going to give Willie Damas that qualifying offer, which means no draft pick. So that's where the question comes in: Do you want to trade him? make room for Ortiz instantly, and you go full young with Reese Hoskins to be the captain with Yelich of this team. Those are going to be the questions presented to Matt Arnold here for the next couple of days leading into spring training. Another text here from Justin and Sun Prairie. You can't tell me the Brewers are trying to stay competitive when you look at the current state of the rotation. Miley's two and Ray is three. That's bad. I disagree. I don't think Ray is the three, by the way. I, I see it. Freddie's the one. Miley's the two. You're going to have some combination of Aaron Ashby, Joe Ross, uh, Robert Gasser in the mix with Ray. So maybe they go six-man. Maybe they go five-man. These guys move up and down. They want to stay flexible if Jacob Mizorowski is ready by the end of the year. They also want to stay flexible if Carlos Rodriguez is ready by the end of the year. They have young, controllable starters to fill the voids right now. And for the folks who are saying, oh, we should trade Freddie now, too. Remember, Freddie's on an extremely team-friendly deal right now. He's still got a few more years of control with all the uh, team options due to come here. He's not going anywhere. I would be flabbergasted if he gets traded. Freddie's staying put. He's your opening-day starter at this point right now. The other reason I think they're still very competitive, too, They've still added to their bullpen with some periphery moves. Taylor Clark, Brian Hudson, kind of the the under-the-radar moves and now start to come into clarity now. Their bullpen is entirely back. And you've still got depth down in AAA of guys that need to come in and get an inning or two. You know, the Ethan Smalls can give you a a couple of innings here and there. Hopefully he takes a step forward this year. But then you've got Jansen Junk, who was flashing 96-97 in the last, you know, in game 162 last year. So that's certainly something to think about as well. I still think they're going to be competitive, very much so. And maybe it takes a year to come to fruition. And also, this brings, it makes sense as 
the, the options for Reese. Maybe he was briefed and understood what he was signing up for. You get the one year, Reese, prove you're healthy, you can opt out and go get more. Or you can opt in, you can see what's building and stay put for another year. And then there's a mutual option on a third year, which who knows if that would happen, something crazy would have to happen in that case. All in all, in the moments, we can always overreact. You never underreact in the moment to trades like this. You, it, it, It's very easy to be like, oh my God, I didn't get enough. Oh my God, no. I had a friend describe, uh, you know, and somebody close to the Orioles described to me that D.L. Hall is the Georgian Nuke Lelouch, as in, you know, Bull Durham. He can throw it, man. And when he figures it out, he can figure it out. The Brewers have a pretty good track record of being able to figure it out with guys of his talent and his stature. Really good changeup. Fastball sits 95-96. I, I, I want to see what the Brewers can do with him. Maybe he becomes a reliever, and Jeff alluded to it as well. You know, originally drafted by the Orioles was Josh Hader, then traded to the Astros, then traded to the Brewers. So there was a, a Mike Elias has been all over Josh Hader. Matt Arnold has seen what he's done from afar, and Matt Arnold has got a few more guys like that as well in this organization. Let me just finish this thought on Freddie Peralta's uh, contract remaining. So this year, uh, he's got a 3.7 value on this year. Next year, he's got 5.7, and then he can make almost a million more on awards and bonuses. Then it's back-to-back team options for 2025 and 2026, his age 29 and 30 seasons. Okay, $8 million for 180 innings and 220 strikeout ceiling. That's a steal. So they're keeping Freddie Peralta, to say the least. Let me get to the phone lines here. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620 if you want to join us here as well. Doug in Baraboo, loyal listener. Doug, you are live here on Brewers Weekly. Yeah, good uh, Good evening, Dom. Say real quick, first of all, thank you. Thanks for the the Wednesday night shows, and then thanks for getting the Jeff Rosson on so soon. That was or passing, I guess his name is. Um, so uh, I thought Burns would be around to at least July thirty first. Now, I, uh, two questions for you, and I've been following you, and I had, I was going with you all along. We had the five starters, and I thought all we needed after Hoskins, all we needed was a little power at third base. So who do you think, where do we stand? Who do you think our five starters are right now? And then who do you, how long do you think Adamas is with us? Do you think he's still here this year or, or next year? Uh, I'm kind of leaning towards he may be the next one to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning that way too now. Appreciate the call, Doug. But to the first part of your question on the five starters, like I said, it could be six. It, it, I, I see Peralta on opening day, Miley, uh, I Robert Gasser should be on the opening day roster, especially now. Uh, then you've got Colin Ray, you've got Joe Ross if he's healthy, you've got Aaron Ashby if he's healthy, if Jansen Junk continues the velo. Uh, they have options to fill out the back half of the rotation. Is it Burns, Woodruff, Peralta? Of course not. But the Brewers barely got all of that healthy at once. They really only got it all healthy in 2021. So, mm, just it just stings. Uh, a text here uh, from from Ian 
Willie Adamas is 100% getting the qualifying offer. He's easily worth $20 million per year on the open market for multiple years unless he unexpectedly tanks this year. We'll have to wait and see on that. I could see him getting a qualifying offer, but if he has a season like he had last year, the Brewers aren't risking him taking $20 million. It's still, you know, if you're offering somebody the qualifying offer, some teams are thinking he's either, yes, it's foregone, he's no doubt gone, or... Maybe, maybe we can squeeze twenty million out of this guy. Maybe it's the, there's a lot of things going into it. We need to see his performance this year. Uh, this one, uh, another text. Pitching staff feels a lot like 2018. Rotation was very average, just like this year, with strong bullpen and multiple guys that will go multiple innings. La- that year it was Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, Hader, Guerra. So maybe Mizorowski, Hall, Ashby, Gasper, maybe McGill and Rodriguez. I like that take. Appreciate the text there. Uh, as well, that one uh, from Minneapolis joining in here from Ian again. So I really like that take. Let's take another breather here. I got a lot to to organize here right now. Uh, I got a few more texts I still haven't got to. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. If you're listening over on ESPN Milwaukee, the programming will cut at the top of the hour at 9. We're going to go past 9 o'clock here on WTMJ, so you can flip over here to this side as well if you want to get preemptive ahead of that. So we're going to take a quick break. More of your reaction. Again, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Stay with us. Brewers Weekly. Welcome back. What a night. Things happen. That escalated quickly. My thanks to Matt Sossler, our producer here tonight. This is your last show with me, too. This is unfair. Uh, what a night. Brewers have traded Corbin Burns. Let me get to a few of these texts here as well, 855-616-1620. Leave your name where, where you're texting, calling from, and we'll get you here on the air as well, an extended edition of Brewers Weekly. Uh, this one from Josh and Hartland, a guy named DL has injury issues. Hmm, just like Grant Balfour, spelt ball four, had control issues. Hey, Grant Balfour's a friend. I will not stand for this. He was at a Brewers-Rays game uh, last season. Uh, but yeah, of course, funny. Yes, it's the IL now. Get with the times. Appreciate the text there from Josh in Hartland. This one, uh, a text, the... Uh, this was a, a good comparison. I'm trying to find it. It, it was comparing them to the Packers. Uh, it was a good one. Brewers do what the Packers seem to have done for years, too risk-adverse, and are just happy being a good, not great, World Series team. Let me say, you're not wrong. I don't think you're wrong. But also, that's how they have to operate. And if you want to say, oh, ownership should just spend more money, let me just give you... A really quick economics lesson. Uh, I don't want... Yes, it's simple to say, I will spend more money. Yes, 100%. San Diego, Peter Seidler, may he rest in peace, did that for years. But you still have to make money on the business. It's still a business for these owners. And with Milwaukee's media size, the market size, okay, the money that you bring in is not going to be the same in your media rights deals and all that other stuff as the money that you spend on your team. And if you want to complain about that, that's the economics of baseball. It's why the Dodgers have Shohei Otani and Yoshinobu Yamamoto. We can get into all that if the Dodgers win three World Series in a row. But the reason why you want to be a good team, consistently good team, consistently having chances at playoffs, consistently four out of five playoff appearances, look at it last year. Two wild card teams... In the World Series, the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
Good teams get in the playoffs, and then anything can happen. Jerry Depoto said something dumb out loud, saying just going to win 52% of the games. I think the Brewers want to win more than 52% of their games. Jerry Depoto, general manager of the Mariners. But fans don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it as somebody covering the team, but it's the truth. You win 52% of your games, you're probably going to get in the playoffs more often than not. I think if you win 56, 58% of your games, you're definitely going to get in the playoffs, so go for it, as opposed to leaving this, you know, in-between feeling right now. And that's why I asked Jeff Passan about it. Like, the Brewers kind of have one bucket in, one bucket out, but I, I really liked his Rays comparison. We should see that coming. The Rays are in the same boat. They have to get creative. Now, granted, Brewer Stadium is infinitely better than the Trop, and they also have a similar market size struggle. Wheel and deal. Get creative. Young, controllable arms, move on. Young, controllable arms, player development, draft well, scout well. That's how teams like that become successful. I don't mind it. You have to get creative sometimes. And we'll see how it plays out. Maybe Chris Hook and Walker McKinvin and Charlie Villanueva and everybody in the pitching side of things. Every I, I'm leaving out so many names there. Everybody on the pitching side of things. You know, sprinkle that magic pixie dust that the Brewers seem to have with the uncontrollable arms on DL Hall and say, hey, man, we like this, that, and the other. Let's just focus on this, that, and the other and make you an all-star. They've done it before. There's no reason to believe they can't do it again. I got a lot of texts to get to. Let me get to the phone. Uh, Charlie in Oshkosh, you've been waiting. Charlie, you're live here on Brewers Weekly. Hey, Dom, thanks for taking my call. Um, the Brewers are in a tight spot, you know, with, and you only got one year left with Adamas and Woodruff and Burns, and basically they lost Woodruff for nothing already. Um, and with their market size, they just could not afford to lose Burns or Adamas for nothing. Uh, we'll still see what happens with Adamas. And I thought, like some of your callers had mentioned that, it looked like they were in until July 31st, at least, to see what would happen. Um, and I'm just seeing this offhand in the last few minutes, so... I like D.L. Hall a lot, but um, the shortstop they got, is he more defense first, or can he hit a little bit? Yeah, it's regarded as defense first, but he's grown into more of a bat in the last year and a half of his minor league season, going back to the second half of 2022 and into this past year in AAA. Uh, he, he's really started to show pop that you know some scouts hoped would appear, and they want to see more of it here moving forward. Well, it's it's too bad. You always have these dreams of getting like three, four really hot prospects. Mayo was the name that was huge with Baltimore. You know, he's kind of locked in with players in front of him, and he's a big first baseman, but I guess that didn't happen. Um, but when it gets down to just that one year, and you know he's going to test free agency with Boris, you're kind of backing yourself into a corner, I guess. So, um Thanks for taking my call, Dom. Take care. Yeah, cheers. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks for calling in as well. I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I. It, it, it's two buckets, right? Let me let me try to paint a picture here, right? You, you got you got a you got let's call it the devil and the angel on your shoulder, right? So you got the angel on your shoulder is like, oh, you know, just run it back. Let's go for it, man. One last year with these guys. One last dance, right? Then the devil on each other is like, you have to get something back for these guys. Trade them now. Which one are you going to listen to? And here we are. I, I, I really think this is like a 50-50 split of the fan base of like, let's win, 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 win. And gosh, I get it. 
We only got one year left. Let's make sure you get something back for this guy in case things go wrong. But then they do that in 2022 with Josh Hader and, you know, the world ends, which we all know why. I don't want to relitigate that. But I, I, I see where it's coming from. You've got those two conflicting arguments on your shoulder. And now it's actually happened. The devil argument won here. And you're like, wait, 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 no, what? But, uh, and you're caught in between. So the Brewers are trying to figure out what happens next. Let me get to a few of these texts as well. Right now we're on track for another 2015. I disagree entirely with that. I think I, I like the 2018 comp. Not nearly as much offense, though. Um, how did we change this for the better? They're going young, and they're going good young. Jackson Churio's a star, you guys. I believe in Jackson Churio. I wonder what a full year of Garrett Mitchell is going to look like. I wonder what Tyler Black is going to be able to do as a rookie. I wonder if William Contreras is going to start putting the ball in the air. I wonder if Christian Yelich can follow up another solid season. He had a 120-plus WRC-plus last year. So there's still a lot to like about this team. Again, the entire bullpen's coming back. I like it. Bob from uh, This one uh, from Bob in Saratoga. Uh, I think Willie should be traded and see what they get instead of waiting for next year. Yeah, I can hear about that. Uh, Tony texting from Milwaukee. How about giving Noah Syndergaard, who they watched for earlier this week, on a two-year with an opt-out to rebuild his reputation and then go sign Matt Chapman on a three-year deal with options as well? I don't want Noah Syndergaard. Uh, if he comes, cool. We'll see what the Brewers can do with him. I don't, I don't think Noah Syndergaard right now is better than Robert Gasser or Aaron Ashby or Mizorowski and Rodriguez eventually. I just don't. I, I think that arm is different, and he's hasn't figured that out yet. Uh, Matt Chapman, I don't see happening because they don't want to block Tyler Black um, or Brock Wilkin, for that matter. Brock Wilkin's third baseman, first-round pick last year's draft. He's moving fast through the organization. Uh, let me get to a few more here as well. Mason from Stevens Point, uh, huge fan. Boyfriend and I listen to you after every game and on long car rides. Appreciate you listening now. Question is, do we think this was an, quote, always the plan? I'm lost how they just decided on terms on the 15th and then pulled the switcheroo of sorts. I, I think, as Matt Arnold has explained it to me, it's that you're always listening. Your phone's always to the ground. You know, you're always like, all right, hey, I'll listen. Nope. Hey, I'll listen. No. Nope. I saw a funny clip this week of Braves general manager Alex Anthopoulos at, like, Braves Fest or whatever talking to their radio station, and there was a window behind him. And some fans, you know, like the, the Gen Z thing nowadays is to, like, in Snapchat, bold up the letters and like show a message on your phone to Alex Anthopoulos, and they're showing trade for Dylan Cease. And Anthopoulos turned around and like gave the the pinching fingers too too expensive sign, you know, like too much money. I think it, it relievers and prospects and starters and pitching and, and a, as a whole, all of this trades. It's like stock market. Okay, price goes up some days, price goes down some days. You're always listening. And you're always comparing your numbers to what their numbers saying and things of that nature. Maybe, I don't think this was like a, a, a premeditated, okay, we got Reese Hoskins, now we trade Corbin Burns. I don't see that. I don't think it's that way. The Brewers felt they were getting enough. And they wanted to make the deal. As opposed to just getting a sandwich pick, they got a shortstop and maybe a big league reliever. In addition to that pick. That's more than just the pick. So I do appreciate it. Thanks for listening, Mason, for uh, joining us here on the program as well. Look at Corbin Burns' postseason record. Nine games, but just one and one. I mean, 2021 was nervy 
but that was a great game. His Cy Young year, game game one of the uh, NLDS against the Braves. Last year, I mean, he was in tears in the clubhouse after losing game one, after everything with Brandon Woodruff. He felt like he let the team down, with allowing three home runs to the Diamondbacks. I mean, if you want to bring up postseason records, we could talk about Craig Council's postseason record, but we're not going there tonight. I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. But I think Corbin Burns... Let me let me let me lay it out like this. If Corbin has the year that he just had, okay, let me let me present this question to you. And this is how we'll go to break here for a quick breather. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. If Corbin Burns has the exact same year he just had with the Brewers, but with the Orioles. Mind you, yes, he gets to pitch majority of his games at Camden Yards. He's also got to go to the Yankees. He's got to face Judge and Soto and Rizzo and LeMahieu and Stanton. He's got to go to the Blue Jays. He's got to face Bichette and Guerrero and Kirk and Springer and Varsho. He's got to go play the Rays, and they always got something. Isak Paredes, uh, Jose Siri, they've got some studs still down there. Boston, uh, no one knows what to make of Boston right now. I, I, They're... Baltimore's in obviously a very tough division, but last year Corbin, a three three nine ERA, thirty two starts, one hundred ninety three innings. He hasn't missed a start since he had COVID in twenty twenty one. He gave up twenty two home runs. He had two hundred strikeouts. He had a WHIP of one point oh six nine, which actually led the National League, even though it was over one his highest rate in the last three years. If Corbin Burns has the exact same season, he just had with the Brewers, with the Orioles. And D.L. Hall is a major contributor. I'm not going to put anything on Ortiz yet. If D.L. Hall is a major contributor to this bullpen, are you going to feel any differently about this? I don't. I, I, I think Corbin Burns is going to have a good year. I think he's going to have a very similar year that he just had. He's facing really, really tough competition, obviously. But I think that's, that's an exercise to think about. 855-616-1620. Sometimes these trades take time. To, to level out. I'm going to take a quick breather. It's going to get a little traffic here at the top of the hour. Uh, again, if you're listening on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee, as we are simulcasting right now, we are going to go past the 9 o'clock hour. So I recommend you switch on over to 620 AM or join us on YouTube on the 620 uh, YouTube page as well. You can get it live there as well. But at the top of the hour, ESPN Milwaukee is going to go back to regular programming. We're going to stay here till the bottom of the hour on uh, 620 as well. So take a quick breather. Come back with more after this on WTMJ and ESPN. Welcome back. Corbin Burns has been traded. I've got a few minutes left here before I have to take a top of the hour break. And then we're going to keep on going until 930 here tonight on WTMJ. Again, if you're on 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee, you'll go back to the pre-scheduled programming at the top of the hour. But we're going to keep on going here on WTMJ. Uh, this is from Mike in Michigan. With the addition of Ortiz, the Brewers now have five players in the top 100 prospect list, and this is only the beginning. Yes, I don't want to see Burns leave, but the overall roster still looks good, albeit thinner in the rotation without Burns. But Arnold is doing an outstanding job building the farm system and building this team organically. The big free agents will come once we have a more complete team. I like that. That's a good level-headed take there, Mike. I think with... As been said all along, Kylie McDaniel, ESPN prospect writer, Eric Loggenhagen, a Fangraphs writer, the prospect writer for them too. They wrote a book about future value. I really recommend folks to read it. Can really get into the weeds and into the sauce about what it means to project and try to figure out who's going to be good, 
who do you want to be a part of your organization? So that's what the Brewers are betting on right now, that their due diligence on D.L. Hall and Ortiz is going to return them, again, six years of control of Hall, six years of control of Ortiz, and then whoever you pick in the 34th pick. That sounds pretty good when you put it like that. Now, there's obviously question marks, and that's where we get this debate and this uneasiness and this apprehension and things like that. Let me We're going to play some more Matt Arnold audio coming up on the other side of the top of the hour break, but here was his opening statement uh, to the media here just a few moments ago. Sure. Yeah. Look, anytime you trade a guy like like Corbin, it's it's always a, a difficult decision. I think the the overarching theme here is that we're we're excited about the players we're getting back, and the, the reality of our situation is that we had one year left with with Corbin. Uh, I think Corbin had been pretty public about uh, how he was. This was going to be his last year as a Brewer, and so we felt like. Um, the opportunity to help our team right now with players like D.L. Hall, who was outstanding in the playoffs last year for the Orioles, uh, a very young and major league ready um, Joey Ortiz that we like a lot. And, uh, you know, a, a late first round pick uh, is is a very well-balanced and exciting deal for us. And again, it's it's always tough. And I've, I've had to do this a number of times throughout my career to trade really good players. Um, I understand that. Uh, comes with some pain, and and this is not an easy decision for us. But I think the opportunity to help our major league team right now and also in the future is something that's actually really exciting for us. Straight from the man himself. We'll have more audio from Matt Arnold uh, coming up past the top of the hour here. But I want to clean up something I said earlier about Ethan Small. Uh, Ethan Small was DFA'd to make room on the 40-man roster for this trade to happen. So the 40-man is full again. Uh, There are some guys without options remaining that also could create 40-man spots coming up out of spring training. And I was planning on talking about some of those and some of the position battles that are coming up in spring training because we're two weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting. But here we are talking about the Corbin Burns deal. Again, for folks on 94.5, come on over to 620 AM or on the YouTube page. Uh, for folks here on WTMJ, you got another 30 minutes of Brewers talk here tonight as we react to the Corbin Burns trade. If you want to join us, Again, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. We'll hear more from Matt Arnold on the other side of this break, efforting at least one more guest here, hopefully, as well. Uh, Scribes got their jobs, too. So stay with us. we got more to come after this on WTMJ. All right, re-back at the top of the hour. We're going to go for another 30 here on WTMJ, reacting to everything with Corbin Burns and the prospect Hall. This is a big move. I mean, the Brewers just traded a Cy Young Award winner, so it prompts a little bit extra coverage here on Brewers Weekly tonight. Uh, I'm Dominic Catronio. You can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Dom, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O, Cotron-E-O, Dom underscore Catronio. Quick programming. Uh, so we're obviously live right now for another 30 minutes or so. But uh, next week... Will be on Wednesday night. That will be also live, and then Valentine's Day will be pre-recorded. Uh, you can understand why it's pre-recorded because it's Valentine's Day. But we will have that going, and then boom, I will be in Arizona and bringing you plenty of coverage for all spring training long, which certainly looks a lot different out of nowhere. Again, the text line eight five five six one six one six twenty. You can call in on that line too. Love all the participation we've already had so far here tonight. Eight five five six one six 
855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. This one from Justin and Sun Prairie again. This text, one year of Burns being paid $15.6 million, and you get six years of Joey Ortiz, six years of D.L. Hall, and a late first-round pick. The return is not light, especially if Hall starts. I don't know if he's going to start, though, but you're right. The return is not light. Let me let me interest you in a bullpen thought of, and also Matt Arnold was not committed to saying whether he's going to start or whether he's going to relieve. They're going to talk to DL about that heading into spring training and start to figure out what they want to do with him. But let me just sprinkle this at you here. At some point this year, we could see a back end bullpen that goes. You know, let's say Colin Ray gives you five innings, okay? In the sixth inning, maybe you throw D.L. Hall. Switch it up. All those lefties in the order, get them out with the lefty D.L. Hall goes in there. All right? He's pumping 97-98 with a great changeup. All right, who's next? Trevor McGill from the right side. He's pumping 100 with a great hammer curveball. Okay. All right. Who's got the eighth inning? Oh, Abner Uribe. He's pumping 101-mile-an-hour sinkers. Busting bats. Breaking hands. Oh, in the ninth? The change-up specialist, the airbender, Devin Williams. and Oh, and I didn't even mention Elvis Peguero and Yoel Piomps and Hobie Milner, your favorite reliever's favorite reliever. So the bullpen is the strength of this team, bar none. I, 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 I've said it a million times on this show. Twelve months ago, we had no idea what was happening to this bullpen. All we knew was Devin Williams and Hobie Milner were going to be a big piece of it, and Heck, Matt Bush and Peter Strzelecki were going to be pitching leverage. And look at it now, okay? The Brewers really have a system that works well to develop pitching and to develop what they want out of the guys that they identify. And I see a lot of folks complaining about the trade not getting enough back. Is this it? This it? This isn't 1992 anymore where teams are just wheeling and dealing and the lack of information and Deals that seem like mundane deals turn into franchise-altering transactions. But we're in the information age. And especially when you're trading with a team like Baltimore, Mike Elias has righted that ship. And they have become a great organization at player development and uh, what they look for, just like the Brewers have, just like a lot of teams have. Not all of the teams have got with the times. But Tampa, Milwaukee, Los Angeles... Uh, I mean, the Yankees' farm system and what they do in the Dominican is impressive. We haven't even talked about the Brewers have done to the Dominican this year. I mean, finally opening it up. Congratulations to Gordash and to everybody involved with finally getting the DSL site opened. There were a lot of hurdles that had to get through that. The Brewers are a healthy organization. They did not trade Corbin Burns because they are unhealthy and they need to shed payroll, need to tear it all down and fix it. No. Because they felt this is how they continue to roll. We can't say this is a slam dunk win right now. Granted, we were kind of saying this was a slam dunk when Matt Arnold acquired William Contreras last year because we knew it right off the bat. Like, wait, they only gave up Estee Ruiz and they got three guys back? A little different, but hey, as the the kids say on Twitter, let Matt cook. Um, 855-616-1620. Let's get to some more uh, Matt Arnold audio here, this is on what it means for this year's team and how trading Corbin Burns will do for the Brew Crew this year. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it, it is a, certainly a big piece of our club. But I, at the same time, I'm, I think we've added 
a number of pieces, including uh, Reese Hoskins, that we feel really good about. And um, I, I wouldn't at all look at this as any kind of rebuild at all. Uh, this is something, in fact, that we think helps us right now and helps us in the future. And so, again, adding you know veteran players like we have, bringing back guys like Wade Miley, but also making moves like this and then investing long term in somebody like Jackson Churio, um, I think speaks to the to the balancing act that we're trying to trying to uh, walk here, you know, with which is help the major league team and also try to win for many years to come. It's sustainable. It's doesn't seem like the best thing to do to some fans, but to some fans, like this is the only thing you can do. There's always going to be these two parties that are against each other of like, well, you said you wanted to win now on Monday, but yet now you're trading your best starting pitcher on Thursday. So people understand the disconnect there, but they feel that they're getting enough back. And I've said that over and over and over again at this point. Again, 855-616-1620. This one made me laugh. Burns will end up being a cub. <laughs> Shoot. I mean, they haven't spent any money this offseason other than Imanaga, but uh, I mean, if... Let's just play a hypothetical here. If the Cubs get Cody Bellinger back, I'm not even putting Matt Chapman in this because they're all, I've seen a lot of Matt Chapman. I I like him as a dude. I think he's a great ball player, but there are a lot of red flags there, just like there are a lot of red flags with Bellinger, but I'm a believer in Belly, and I've known Belly a lot longer than I've known Matt Chapman. And I think when it comes to the division, the Cubs are still in between. They don't have a lot of offense, you know, that terrifies me. They got good offense. Say as a good hitter, Hap's a good hitter, Swanson can be okay. Uh, but Madrigal and Horner and there's not a lot of pop there. Then the Reds scare me. The Reds are a good team. The Reds are a very good team. We've talked about that plenty. Pirates are in between. And the Cardinals, I, I don't know what to make of the Cardinals. They've got Arenado, they've got Goldie. A year older, yes, but they still got those two two guys. Uh, I think Nolan Gorman uh, is going to be really good. Alec Burleson is going to be really good. So the division's still wide open, even with this deal. This doesn't instantly put the Brewers down to like the third or fourth spot. It just doesn't. They're probably comfortably in the two or three spot. I think the Reds now maybe take favorites of the division. The Brewers right there. The Cubs, depending on what they do right there. Need another arm. And, and then the Cardinals, if their offense can bounce back. But there's there's stuff to figure out there as well. Uh, let me hear more from uh, Matt Arnold on the importance of getting the competitive balance pick back, the 34th pick in this year's draft. Yeah, it's a it's a big part of it. Certainly, our our, our scouting group is is very excited to have that coming back. I've already gotten a number of of notes from them. Um, look, we we've we've been very fortunate to have some success in the draft recently, and and we're excited to have that draft capital and and to be able to deploy that. With a great group of uh, of scouts that we do have, is something that we're thrilled to uh, to add to this package as well. So let me just uh, lay this out here real quick. The Brewers in the draft they are the seventeenth overall pick, and the Brewers will now get the thirty fourth pick in competitive balance A, acquired from the Orioles in exchange because you can trade competitive balance pick. You can't trade. Regular picks, which I think is dumb. We need to we need to fix that. So, you also have those bonuses for rookies of the year and prospect promotions, and things of that nature. So, as I look at the top, you know, the top 
40 picks or so. The Diamondbacks have two picks. Number 29, excuse me, they have three picks. 29, 31, and 35. The Guardians have the number one overall pick in addition to a competitive balance pick. So they got the number one and the number 36. The Royals have two picks, the number 39 and the number six. The Pirates have two picks, the number nine and the number 37. The Rockies have two picks, and the Brewers have two picks. Now, the Diamondbacks have three, but the Brewers, of all those teams that I listed, the Diamondbacks and the Brewers are the only teams that were above 500 last year, and they have two picks within the first 40. That's pretty darn good. And I want to backtrack that. The Orioles have two picks. They get a pick for Gunnar Henderson getting Rookie of the Year last year. So they get two picks. They obviously finished above 500. They feel good about it. I'm in. And talking to evaluators about the Brewers draft, I've said this over and over and over again. Everyone is thrilled within the organization about what they got. I'm, I'm, I'm wheeling the deal. I'm making producer moves right now here on the uh, on on the text line here. Sorry about that. But the the Brewers they're they're thrilled about Brock Wilkin and Tyler Bovee. From what I've heard about those guys, this team's going to get really young really fast. And maybe Reese Hoskins will stick around and lead them. Christian Yelich just certainly, he's got a full no trade. He's got to let you know if he wants to go there or not. We're, we're about to enter a new era of Brewers baseball in about two weeks. It's going to be very interesting. Let me uh, let me take my last breather of the night. Let me re-rack everything here. We're going to go again to the bottom of the hour here until 9.30. So take a quick break. Come back. Plenty of coverage, plenty of reaction happening around. I just want to read up some on Twitter, some texts here as well. 855-616-1620. Take our last break of the night. Again, 855-616-1620 here on WTMJ. All right, a little extended version of Brewers Weekly this week. I've got about 13 minutes or so left here of programming to fill in. So let's hear more from the man who made the trade, Matt. Arnold, Let, let's. We haven't really talked much about Joey Ortiz to this point. Here's a short answer from Matt about his role. Yeah, he's he's first of all, he's he's thrilled. I just spoke to him. He's he's thrilled to play anywhere. I mean, this this guy's a gamer, uh, hard nosed kid, uh, a great defender. I mean, Gold Glove caliber type is is in our reports. Um, we think he can play anywhere on the dirt, and he's going to be good wherever he plays. And so, um, you know, that's still to, to be determined, I think, throughout the course of spring training. So let me let me offer a hypothetical here. Let me start playing roster, start talking about some of these roster battles that I was planning on talking about at this point in the program, but the trade obviously changed all that up. I want to remind you, Bryce Terang has one option you're remaining. He can be in big league camp. And they can send him back down to AAA. They used his second one last year. He can use his third this year. So then that would kick the can to decide, okay, in 2025, does Bryce Terang make the team or not? That's a question to be had. The reason I bring that up, what if the Brewers feel strongly enough to have Joey Ortiz play second base with Adamas at short? That helps the left-handed issue I was talking about in last week's show about how the lineup is very, very, very left-handed. You can't really avoid it. So let's just play a hypothetical here where Terang is the one optioned out 
and Ortiz has a strong spring, and he makes the club to be the everyday second baseman. That also impacts Owen Miller. That also impacts Andre Monasterio because he can play all over the dirt. Now, that, that's just a hypothetical. I'm not saying this is definitely going to happen. But they feel, I mean, you heard, gold glove cow, you don't throw that around on a prospect. Oh, yeah, he, he can be a gold glover. You know, he's, he's just a, yeah, he's just a gold glover. No, that, that's a real thing. That's so real. Looking at what Bryce Terang did the last month and a half, two two plus months of the season, it just it wasn't great, man. And don't get me wrong, I I think Bryce is a great dude. This is a performance based business. Yeah, he delivered Gold Glove defense, but if Joey Ortiz is going to provide a little bit more at the bat while also providing Gold Glove defense. I could see the Brewers making that switch. Here's what Matt Arnold had to say. I certainly think Todd. Yeah, he's he's definitely in that mix. Um, you know, when you when you look at the number of of guys we have there with Miller and Monasterio, uh, Oliver Dunn, uh, Tyler Black can certainly play over there. Uh, and now, of course, Ortiz. It's it's a great group, and and I think it, we're gonna see what they can do. You know, it's it's gonna be an interesting competition in camp for sure. I'm so that gets spicy. Second base, third base are already spicy right now for what the Brewers are going to do. Backup first base is spicy right now, too. Jake Bowers, I told somebody, yeah, Jake Bowers is definitely on the team. And now I'm like, uh, maybe. But Jake Bowers can also play a little bit of outfield, but the Brewers got plenty of outfielders. What do you do with, you know, Andre Monasterio has options. Tyler Black will obviously, I mean, Tyler Black hasn't even been added to the 40 man yet which there needs to be a corresponding move to be put on the 40-man for him. But, I mean, just just for the sake of things, here are a few guys that have no options, meaning if they're not going to make the team, they open up a spot on your 40-man roster by cutting them. J.B. Bukowskis, probably not going to have a spot. Uh, Jemai Jones, probably not going to have a spot. He just gave up his number for Reese Hoskins, too. Uh, then you've got Thiago Vieira, probably not going to have a spot. And keep in mind... Two other guys that are contributors in the bullpen anyway. Both Yoel Piomps and Bryce Wilson do not have options. So if something goes wrong with those guys or something's not quite right, that could be a decision to be made. Brian Hudson has options. Taylor Clark has an option. So keep that in mind. There is still bullpen battles to be figured out whether or not D.L. Hall is involved with that bullpen. What does all this mean for Freddie Peralta? I mean... He's your opening day starter, right? Yeah, he's he's ready for it. I mean, honestly, he's one of the guys that you count on going out there every fifth day, taking the ball and and you know showing everybody that he can dominate. And you know, Freddie's built right. He's he's the right type of person. Um, he's he's the guy that everyone loves, and uh, I'm thrilled to have him at the front of our rotation. He actually just posted a, an Instagram story earlier today. Did Freddie Peralta? He's already down in Phoenix, getting some work in. Freddie's a great follow, by the way, on social. He's, he's always showing off his home in the Dominican, always uh, showing off his workouts. I cannot do what he does, but happy for him. I don't think he can hit a golf ball like me, but I can't pitch a ball like him. So it all levels out. We're different levels of athlete. Uh, the rotation, that's the question that's been the thing all night long. Okay, so it's Peralta 1, Miley 2, and Miley's certainly got plenty of health issues. We talk about D.L. Hall's health issues. Got to make sure Miley can get you 120, 140 innings. Because all of this kind of falls apart if he doesn't. Is Aaron Ashby healthy? That's one of another 
question that we are going to look into in spring training. How healthy is Aaron Ashby? How healthy is Joe Ross? Joe Ross, when healthy? I mean, obviously he wasn't in the division, so Brewers fans aren't certainly familiar with his work over with the Nationals. I mean, Joe Ross, very quietly, has had a couple of solid seasons earlier in his career than the health issues started to pop up. 2015 with the Nats as a 22-year-old, uh, he had a FIP at sub 3.5 for back-to-back years, 22- and 23-year-old season now. Injuries can change things, and we got a lot to figure out with Joe Ross. But if he's healthy, again, that magic pixie dust we're talking about, right? Then you've got, is Aaron Ashby's velo back? It wasn't quite back at the end of last year from his arthroscopic surgery. I imagine he spent all offseason strengthening that up. And I, I teased this in the first hour of coverage. I mean, this opens the door for Mizorowski at some point, if things go well, if he gets his control, if maybe he just comes in as a swing man, maybe you start to float him around. Carlos Rodriguez is the best prospect you haven't been talking about. He is another guy that just, give me the ball and go, give me the ball and go. So I, I'm I'm in on the, 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 the pitching's going to be okay. It's not going to be dominant. But I'm going to do some digging, and I'll talk about it in the next week's show. It, it, it almost kind of feels like, you know, we, we talk about this big three of Woodruff, Burns, Peralta. And it kind of feels like the Brooklyn Nets of Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden, where they never really got the chance to be all together. And the Brewers barely got them all together at the end of 2021. And Freddie wasn't the same after his shoulder injury in 2021. Uh, he did pitch well against the Braves. Maybe it was pulled a little too soon. <clears throat> Craig, he knows that. Uh, but then, the back then, you had the pitcher still hitting, and you had to make a double switch, and things were complicated. I just, you can see the next generation forming. In my opinion, and I think Brewers fans would agree with me on this, you feel a little bit better because you can see the vision. You can see what's coming. That's why I don't think this is a rebuild. A rebuild is like, tear it down to the studs. We got nobody coming. We got nobody under control. Bring the payroll down to $40 million. That is not what's happening here. Tyler Black's coming. Brock Wilkins coming. Jackson Churio's probably here. Hopefully a full year of Garrett Mitchell. Bovey's coming. And obviously Mizorowski, Rodriguez... So many other guys. I mean, some of the guys, uh, Bowman, the the kid they got from the Mets, you know, an old trade with an old friend. They're very excited uh, about him. The Brewers know what they're doing, man. Sorry, Coleman Crow. I don't know why I said Bowman. Coleman Crow. I, was, I knew as a sound like that's not the right name. Coleman Crow, who the guy from the Mets, he's got some elbow stuff right now. He's not going to be back. But the Brewers. And Matt Arnold specifically. They got guts, man. I think they understand the weights this trade does. And when I think of the Brewers as an organization and this regime since David Stearns took over, I mean, think about it. Trading go-go and the return you got. And the day you acquired Yelly... The Yelly and Braun show, uh, watching Woodruff go yard off Kershaw. It kind of feels like you can see it. It's coming. You can see this form, right? I mean, and I, may I remind you, 
Corbin Burns, those first two years, we knew the stuff was there. We knew it was in there. And the Brewers unlocked it. They've done this before. They're, you know, Chris Hook and everybody, all the assistant coaches, all the support staff in this regime, you got to do it again. And I give credit to Matt Arnold for putting his neck out there. So, look, we know this is a tough day. We know this is a hard decision to make. But at the end of the day, these are the moves we have to make, these hard decisions. Yeah, I think of the Bucks, right? People praise the Bucks because they made the move because they made the move that teams would be too scared to do. Firing a head coach in the middle of the year. A lot of teams would be too scared this close to spring training to trade their star ace heading into kind of a make or break year. Brewers had the guts to do it. The Brewers had the guts to trade Josh Hader. Now we all know how that turned out. But they had the tra- they had the guts to go for William Contreras in a three team deal. They had the guts to try to make this team better at the deadline, getting Mark Canna and Carlos Santana and just trying to find a way to get it done. They got better, and maybe the window got a little wider. It might have slid down a few notches, but now a lot more air is coming in. If I can paint a picture for you. You know, we talk about the, the, the window, right? You open the window, okay? Well, now all of a sudden, this move, we're letting more air in by widening the window. But the actual, you know, slide of the window just came down a little bit lower. But now it's wider. So when we open it wider, when we open it taller, more of a competitive window will be available to the Brewers. And I think that's what I see with this move. We won't know if it's enough until years down the road, until we see what Ortiz and what Hall and what this 34th overall pick becomes. And tonight, the Brewers say goodbye to a homegrown star, St. Mary's star. And I also want to take a chance, uh, a moment here as we wrap up the program, say thanks to Corbin. I always enjoyed chatting golf with him. Uh, We saw him cut his hair. We saw him go from goggles to no goggles. We saw him throw a no-hitter. We saw him tie a major league record. 10 consecutive strikeouts. We saw him carry eight no-hit innings against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. So we have seen a lot of good from Corbin Burns, and we know we're going to see a lot of good from Corbin Burns in a Baltimore Orioles uniform, whatever uniform he wears in 2025. But he did do a lot of good in a Brewers uniform, and he is homegrown, and you should be proud of that. And he's got a Cy Young in his mantle because of the coaches and because of the people here in Milwaukee. So the Brewers are looking for their next Crew for their next pitching staff to fill the void that Corbin Burns has left. And that's going to do it for our program here tonight. I want to say a big, big thank you to Matt Sossler, his last show with us here tonight. He has done so much of the dirty work, the stuff you don't hear, making sure that we're on the air. His voice chimes in. Matt, appreciate you. It was your last show with us here as uh, as you move on to bigger and better. Oh, yeah. Gonna be it's it's always tough to leave a place, but Brewers fans, Greg Matzik said this uh, at the end of the season. But I personally can agree. I've learned so much from Dom, and y'all are very fortunate to have Dom Prime to take you through yet another and what should be an interesting season of uh, Milwaukee Brewers baseball. I know I'll be tuning in. I, I paid him to say that. So uh, my thank you to you, my my man. Thank you for everything all season long and wish you nothing but the best. Thanks for cutting all this stuff up and helping us get on the air every night. So I'm way over my time. Thank you so much for everybody who tuned in. I'll be back next Wednesday right here on WTMJ. 
Two weeks away from pitchers and catchers, and it looks a lot different. Take care. See you next time. Keep on swinging.